Uh, welcome to Managing Marketing and uh, today I'm sitting in a car in one of the many lanes of Melbourne, the famous lanes of Melbourne, uh, having a chat with David Angel who's uh, General Manager of Trinity P3 and Head of Media. Welcome David. Thank you, nice to be here. Well I should say welcome Darren because we're in well, your car. We're in your, yes, but you you're know, hosting technically, me. Technically, your city as well, you know, my city too. But yeah, um, your yes, town, I'm, your paper. I am hosting you um, in in this lovely car, looking out to this lovely avenue. So it's nice. Yeah, look, um, it's a it's been a hot topic. You you joined uh, Trinity P three about three years ago, just over three years. Yeah, but before that, you've had quite an extensive career in media from both a advertiser's perspective and an agency perspective. Yeah. Um, so I want to start off just re you know, getting your reflections on that, you know, the, the, the different perspectives because, you know, we've had a lot of, um, uh, you know, discussions around the, the relationships between agencies and advertisers. What, what do you see is the biggest difference between when you're sitting on one side of the table with the budget and on the other side of the table uh, talking to your client? I, that's an interesting question, and I would I would add that you know my experience with Trinity P3 has also been very valuable client side experience as well because I'm effectively sitting with with those clients when we're talking about and to agencies. Um, I think uh, the, the the challenge certainly with media agencies has been to uh, view the world quite in a quite myopic way. Sometimes that's because they're driven by the client um, to think like that, and sometimes it's because they haven't got the skill set to think more broadly. But the difference is where they are thinking of media as being a major component of marketing. Mm. Um, the marketer is sitting there thinking of media as just one of many, many, many um, channels that he or she has to navigate. And um, the agencies that are winning at the moment are the ones that are able to translate what is effectively media strategy into a much broader commercial marketing and business approach um, and that's something that um, continues to challenge agencies even that, today. That's a, that's a great observation because you know one of the things that you see is that so many agencies, media, digital, they almost go down the rabbit warren of their own specialty uh, and forget that they're communicating with people that have got hundreds of moving parts. Well if, if the best agency in the world is the one that delivers truly agnostic transparency and recommendations to clients. Um, there is a, a disconnect between having that approach and, and being a specialist agency. Um, because clearly, if you're a digital agency, you think about digital media 100% of the time. Um, that That is not always in the client's best interest, um, whether you're doing it for what you think are the right reasons or not. And that, that's been apparent for many years as, as digital agencies, as to take an example, have risen uh, as, a, as a specialist component of the agency landscape. But what we're finding more and more is that those specialist agencies are now, uh, A, trying to branch out in terms of their capability, which, which sometimes works and sometimes causes confusion, but B, they are trying to find people, um, certainly senior people and leaders who do not come from a digital media background or a media background. They're, they're looking for um, a diversity of commercial experience that, that enables their leaders to articulate these kind of things to a client without being too narrow-minded. David, such a great term, 
uh, commercial perspective because I think you know marketers are under so much pressure to deliver commercial results, not just marketing results. And if agencies can get on board with actually thinking in the context and framing of commercial performance and and support their clients in doing that, that that's a complete game changer. Well, it, it, it is, and it drives, you know, it really attaches a significant value to uh, the output of an agency that goes way beyond, are you buying your media cheaply? Um, and are you buying lots and lots of inventory? Um, and, um, you know, I, th- I think that agencies and, and holding companies and holding networks are currently trying to find ways to really uh, fit that um, as pivot. best they can. Pivot as be correct. Yeah. Pivot as best they can to this new reality. And of course, you know, data. The role of data. The role of tech plays a massive part of that. Yeah. The, the pressure that's on marketers. A lot of that is to do with the fact that the C-suite has now woken up to the fact that all of this data is sitting there and the, there's customer data and marketers are asked to become more customer centric um, and be, become more accountable as a result. And they are they need their agencies more than ever to help them navigate that stuff. And yet it's interesting because as you said before, you know, agencies, especially media agencies, have spent years and years and years becoming experts in media. Yeah, yes. and now it's almost like, okay, yeah, that's just a table stake. You know, you don't get to sit at this table unless you're already an expert in media. But we want you to go the next step, which is comp- always reframe it in our commercial reality. Yeah, and it's getting the balance right uh, from the client's point of view is really important. Media media is just a table stake, but it's, a, it's still a very important one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that can't be overlooked. Um, so there's a balance in that. Um, but from the agency's perspective, um, how they get paid for this kind mm-hmm. of work, how they get remunerated, and how they um, are able to articulate or come to a remuneration structure that is transparent enough um, and sustainable enough is something that we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time talking to clients about mm-hmm. because um, this, this, this kind of skill set does not come for free. Mm-hmm. And agencies traditionally have been quite challenged in monetizing these kind of services and that's why they, they in some areas are underdeveloped. Well, it is, yeah, I mean, you've touched on uh, uh, tenders, pitches, whatever, you know, RFPs, whatever you want to call it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we're talking about marketers wanting these extra dimensions from their agency. And yet so many times when you hear about a client going to market for a media agency, the selection criteria is all about the media. You know, how well do you buy? How well do you strategize? How well do you do? You know, it's all about the the minutiae of getting that the, the table stake right. Yeah, and as you say, an important table stake. But it doesn't often go beyond that in the traditional RFP, does it? It doesn't. Um, some of that is 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 to do with either marketers being in a comfort zone or not really thinking through enough what they could drive from an agency in terms of value and what that value equation is. Um, the influence of procurement can sometimes play a part in that, and, and a lot of the work that we do and I do um, uh, at Trinity P3 is, is really trying to align internally those mm. those two um, those two uh, partners, those two those two components, so that they yeah. are pulling in the same direction. But sometimes they, and, and it's interesting, and it, uh, and my observation is that sometimes marketers and procurement are, are almost like separate stages of a process. You know, the marketers will be very uh, deeply involved in the first part, which is about interrogating and selecting, you know, the shortlist. 
and then it's almost handed to procurement as a secondary phase to do the remuneration. Yes. And yet from an agency's point of view, the two parts don't exist separately. As you said, you know, I think you said sure. a minute ago, you know, it's not just providing you want all these services, how are we going to get paid for them? And yet the actual selection process is, well, first of all, we're going to select the agency we like because they've got X, Y and Z. Mm. And now I'm going to hand it to my friendly procurement person here to uh, take the gloves off and uh, give you the examination. Do you know what? We always advocate the involvement of procurement. Um, as as much as possible up front in the process and, and they, they are proper and true stakeholders as opposed to just handling that area of things. Um, we find that one of the trickiest components of any pitch process tends to be asking the marketing and procurement clients to develop a scope of services or a scope of work that truly reflects what they actually want. We spend a lot of time up front uh, trying to define what it is they want to achieve um, uh, in this process, not just getting the right agency, but getting the right agency to set them up for the future, and that mm -hmm. often that, that is often about much more than how cheaply can you buy media. In fact, it always should be about more than that. Um, so, bringing uh, disparate parts of the business together that often have imbalances in power relationships and are pulling with different agendas is um, is where we can add some value. Well, you're right in that uh, I think procurement often feel that their role is about, you know, depending on the procurement team, um, their role is all about the financials and yet the two are inextricably linked. You know, the financials are linked to what is it that you want the agency to deliver and what's the value creation part that the agency is going to be delivering to that relationship. Yes, and, and, and how do you measure that when you're a procurement person? I, I do understand their challenges. You know, mm -hmm. How do you measure that in a, in a traditional procurement environment? We're talking about you know, human IP. We're talking about uh, adding uh, value to a business which can't always be quantified on a spreadsheet. Um, it can be quantified over time via mm -hmm. outpun, out, outcomes or outputs, but um, it requires different thinking and a different model and certainly a different set of... Um, KPIs yeah. that go but, beyond the traditional. But are the agencies really helping this process at all? Because they often end up just in the same old resource cost uh, overhead profit multiple rather than thinking through what value looks like. I think I think the agencies um, like I said before I, th I think they know what, what, what value looks like I just think they don't know how to achieve that um, from a commercial point of view from their own side of the fence I think they also struggle for the the talent that, that really can bring that to life mm -hmm. um, when you work in a media agency you graduate up through media ranks and I think a lot of agencies now are working much harder than they have been before on on more holistic training more mm -hmm. you know training they either training their people or like I've said bringing uh, different people into the mix. So I think that the remuneration model is one thing. I think the way in which the agency engages in performance-related incentive mm -hmm. or KPI structure is is a is another thing. And certainly, I think agencies could be more imaginative in that in that part of it. Um, and the third is making sure the right people are actually engaged on the on the client's business, mm -hmm. whether it's a pitch or whether it's an existing relationship. Now you touched on. Uh you know, the, the work that agencies do, first of all, recruiting talent and then um, uh, developing that talent and trying to retain it. And, and I think media agencies generally put a lot more effort into that than the other, you know, creative and, and digital agencies, don't they? Uh, they do, um, but I think that more of them, 
I think the evolution, that's absolutely right. The evolution though has been uh, away from the functional and towards the, um, towards the commercial. So you're not just training a media buyer to be a media buyer, you're training a media buyer to be uh, someone who can actually think beyond the media box mm -hmm. and, and, and look at their clients' uh, interests. And, that, and that, that is, uh, that's to do with future-proofing the agency but also future proofing the client relationship and future proofing that person as an, in, as an individual I, I, I believe that media agencies more so than many other sectors have to consider the now the next and the later really uh, really closely in, from a business perspective well I think uh, first of all the reason I believe that media agencies have put so much time and effort into it is that they got hit by the realization you know they, some of them were looking at 40 and 50 percent churn of their staff in 12 months you know that as fast as they could pour talent in one end it was walking out the other and that that for the industry was a big issue I think the other issue for media agencies more so than other agency types is that it's so easy for media agencies to become commoditized when people superficially look at them as well you just do media strategy planning and buying yes and lots of other people do media strategy planning and buying whereas you know creative agencies have the creative output they can show their latest ad or their latest Khan award idea and um, digital agencies can show their latest bit of you know the, here's the phone app they've developed or this whiz-bang website mm. but media agencies much of the work they do is largely invisible or is not obviously impressive unless you do a lot of explanation. And that's uh, that's why I refer to the now, the next, and the later. You know, yeah. if you if you take if you take now, um, media agencies are having to still staff for a lot of people on the ground who do the invisible work, who yeah. do the who do the TV buying, who do the um, the work in in BCC and other and other software yeah. systems, right? Day to day to day. Um, ticking the boxes. Ticking the boxes, right? It's <laughs> exacerbated churn. But if you look at Australia as an example, Australia, we're still spending 60 plus percent of our money in, in traditional mm. TV, right? Analog TV. It's still an enormous, uh, in terms of the volume. Part of the investment. It's, yeah. it's still, so they have, to, they have to train for the now, but they also have to think about the next, which is, well, Data, automation, automation. You know, automation of these services. How are these people going to actually progress their career if they, if what they're doing now is going to yeah. be automated? And of course, they have to think about the later, which is, well, we're going to have to become more consultative, one way or the other. The, this mm. landscape and the the, uh, the the discipline of marketing and advertising is becoming uh, more complex constantly. Mm. Um, so to try and uh, account for the now, the next and the later to try and find the balance between investing ahead of the curve whilst at the same time retaining 60% of the money that flows through your business in traditional media um, is really tough. Mm. It's, if to, to be fair to the agencies, that is a really tough ask and mm. um, you see a lot of agencies now are investing ahead of the curve in data and analytics is a, is a great example. Programmatic trading is contentious but still a good example yeah. um, and they're having to invest not just in the basics in terms of how to buy programmatic, they're having to invest in terms of uh, protection against ad fraud, they're having to invest yeah, yeah. in terms of um, the way their agency is structured to cope with um, integrating programmatic as a channel as it expands into digital TV, radio, outdoor. That's now, next, later. and. Mm. Um, you know, well, it, it requires and, and some balance. It yeah, really there's, does. there's an extra bit to that because you did mention, you know, um, 
the, the later is also becoming more uh, consultative, becoming mm. consultants. And it's interesting because you're seeing that a lot with the really smart agencies are starting to build that. They're seeing the consultants, the traditional management consultants, come and play in the advertising area. Yep. And they're building, uh, you know, whether it's around econometric modeling or, you know, um, uh, just uh, performance strategies or growth strategies and things like that. You're seeing a lot of the really smart media agencies put building that capability as well. And I think that's a, it's a multifaceted capability, right? Mm. You're, you're, the, the functional capability required to do these things is, is enormous. Um, but so is the capability of the person who is, to use a horrible cliche, but who is T-shaped enough to be able to mm. translate the functional into commercial reality and yeah. into um, strategy that is in the client's language and, and that the, the C-suite can understand. Um, that is a skill set that is relatively rare still and has not always been trained for. So they're having to think about that a yeah. lot more. The role of, you know, the role of, of, of people like business directors and, and you know, in, in those kind of generalist roles um, is becoming way more complex as well. And, and you know, they, they are um, spending a lot of time and investment now in, in, in training for that. and. and so, so just on that point, thinking back to when media was part of creative agencies, you know, that, that sort of business management was part of account management in the creative agencies. When media agencies first split off, they didn't really take a lot of account management with them, did they? No, well, I think, I think it's an important distinction between um, account management and account leadership. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. media agencies have always had to manage things. They've had to manage the day-to-day. -day. They've had to manage... Um, which spots get booked where they've had to manage make goods you know all of this stuff is basically account management and they've had to have someone on the ground who picks up the yeah. phone to the client and does that right that's clearly very different from account leadership yeah. um, and business leadership which is what we're sort of more talking about now as agencies try and become more consultative and I, in my career I've seen it done terribly where an agency just says right we're now going to become consultants um, <laughs> we're going to stick a badge on this 22 year old with consultant ring on yeah, it yeah. and you're going to go off and, and be a consultant um, I've seen that extreme to what I see now, which is you know the rise of positions like talent lead and, mm. and um, the hire of external training companies and and the, the and the inswing of um, broader commercial talent. If you look at if you just take take one example very recently in the press, Dentsu X, they've just hired mm. a new MD. Yeah, she's come from I Select. She's not a media person. She's no. not an agency talent, person. Talent she's come. Person, yeah. She's come from. Um, she's, she's an MD, and she's come. Mm. She's come from a senior role at iSelect. Completely different skill set, mm. but they are absolutely looking to try and pivot towards yeah. something that is above the, st the, the table stake. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I think uh, demonstrates one of the challenges media agencies have is awards. Okay, and and the industry <laughs> loves contentious right now, but yeah, yeah let's but talk the, about but it. But the industry loves awards. You yep. know? Um I saw a, a, a chart that showed there's over 700 awards globally that an agency could enter. Now there's media awards in it. The thing I find about media awards, and this this cracks me up, is that so many media awards, like Cannes Media Awards, are won by creative agencies. Mm -hmm and not by media agencies. And when you read into the what a one, it's really not a media award. There's media as a component of it, but it was the creative that obviously got the eye of the judges. 
it's the oldest problem in the world, isn't it? You know, who's 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 driving what? You know, is the creative driving the result? Is the media driving the result? I think I think media is very hard to pin down in context of, of an award. Um, frankly, um, it really depends on on the exact nature and scope of that award. One of the, it's one of the first things I learned being on the client side is how the, the, the disparity in care between what a client really sees in the value of an award and what an agency sees in the value of an award. The client, I've I've not yet met a client. Uh, it's certainly in a pitch environment who really places a huge amount of stock in which awards the agencies have won. Um, we do try and differentiate. And when we talk about awards, we talk about you know one. It's it's not a level playing field. One award can be much more valuable than another. You know, mm. so awards that really can demonstrate effect. You know, I call out the Effies probably as as a, as a as a set of awards that you could probably attach a bit more depth to and can mm. probably be a bit more relatable to media. But there's a whole lot of others that, like you say, it just ends up being well. It's really the creative, the creative agencies sort of taking with the media agency trailing along behind. Well, some of the trade media end up putting out these uh, rankings of agencies, and they throw all the agencies in there together because, you know, increasingly the distinctions between creative and media and digital and all these are becoming harder and harder for the trade media to, to yes. distinguish. But you actually find that it's invariably creative agencies in those all-in awards that end up at the top because they just enter more awards. I, look, I think they enter more awards, but broad, more broadly, and I, you know, this, this extends beyond the wars and into the way, the way in which creative agencies have evolved. Um, creative agencies are way better at selling themselves, full stop. Mm. They are better at selling ideas, they are better at making ideas simple uh, and effective, and it's, it's why they are able to um, gain Historically, they've been able to gain a lot of cachet at the top table with with the clients mm. because they are just they have that capability. Media agencies historically have, in my personal opinion, tried too hard to intellectualise the product that mm. they're, they're trying to put forth. So you end up with 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 presentations and big decks that a lot of a lot of clients just don't understand. Yeah, um, and certainly sitting on the client side, you can see the the the, the, the the confusion where where a strategic play from a media agency simply does not marry up to the actual execution mm. um, and that's really hard for a media agency to do and, and they're not as good at doing it as creative agencies frankly mm. and um, it's an interesting observation it's, because they, it certainly plays out in awards certainly you, does yeah yeah and, and also I imagine because um, you're not just working on media you work across the full range of um, the business yes um, you must see that in pitches as well yes differences so, in the sort of you know salesmanship of uh, yeah I include the last three years at Trinity P3 in the observation I've just made you know yeah. the the, the uh, to be fair to media agencies, sometimes the things they're asked, going back to the previous part of this conversation, sometimes the things they're being asked to do doesn't exactly lend itself to um, it's quite exciting, yeah, exciting <laughs> salesmanship. I mean, it's you know, it can be quite prosaic, and and with with the recent uh, and ongoing debate around transparency within agencies, any you know, the, the client's ears are well pricked up for mm. uh, what they would see as opaque salesmanship. But um, generally speaking. Yes, um, well, creative agencies are, are way better. Okay, you've mentioned the T word. Yeah, <laughs> have we got another three hours? <laughs> well, look, um, you know, I, I feel like, from my perspective, and you weren't with the company then. You know, you joined in uh, two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, 
Um, but 2012, I was seeing from 2008 to 2012 a constant downward pressure on what agent, uh, media agencies were getting paid, mm -hmm. right? And I also saw that this was having a profound effect on the way the things I heard about what media agencies were doing almost to make ends meet. Yep. Like if the client was paying them less, and not just paying them less, but also demanding that they procure media for less and less, so the passing it down the chain to the media owners, that the system was breaking. And I started hearing things like, um, you know, uh, the the money being held by the agencies for things that were not billed. Mm -hmm. Media know, holds, yeah. Media holds. So there was huge amounts, you know, stories about huge amounts, millions of dollars sitting in agencies. And, and um, because of SOX compliance, certain agencies having trouble holding that cash in, in trust for the client in quotes and then I heard about value banks and I'm going what a value you know there was clearly a lot of this was driving a lot of behavior it, do you think it's as simple as that or is it much more complex was it almost like the the greed of the downward pressure on agencies that forced them or has it been going on forever uh, I think um, I think that it's kind of a mix of those two extremes. Um, I think we would be naive to, to consider that um, agencies would not have exploited um, principle-based trading, media holds, etc., uh, right. and, and, and other areas, and rebates, AVBs. Um, I don't think they would have not exploited them had they been under pressure, had they not been under pressure, pressure. elsewhere, right? So there, there is no doubt that there has been downward pressure on media agencies with, with the base fees. There is no doubt that, that the advertising marketing community and procurement community is, is largely culpable um, for pressurizing agencies into derivative KPIs that, that just simply um, race to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. But agencies have been exploiting things for, for a long time and um, I don't think they would have not exploited them had there not been the downward pressure. I, th I think it's just uh, uh, they've had to probably exploit it more than they would have done. Mm. Because, um, you know, when I've had this conversation with marketers, they go, oh, no, it's not us. You know, it's uh, clearly the agencies have uh, been under pressure from the holding companies to deliver bigger uh, returns. And it's not because we've been pushing down price. And I go, well, there's a cause and effect here. You know, if, if I had $100 million and I was asking someone to invest it for me, and then I said, but I also want to reduce your cut of it. Hmm. I'm basically cutting my nose off to spite my face, aren't I? Yeah, um, there is definitely a two-way street. I've yeah. always said it. There, there is absolutely a two-way street. And, and um, you know, the other thing to remember here is that media agencies are, of course, in business, just like just like everyone else. Um, and you know, when it comes to things like transparency and exploiting commercial, you know, commercial gain, no no company in the world is 100% transparent. Anyway, you don't, you don't, you know, and I say that to marketers a fair bit. You don't, you don't open your books to your agency just in the same, or your customers just in the same way as the agency wouldn't to you. So, but having said that, there's a fine line between profiting and profiteering. Yeah. And I think with the, with the whole transparency de debate, which is now extended way beyond just media agencies, incidentally. Oh, no, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the entire ridiculous. supply chain. Yeah. Um, but I think that the biggest challenge that I've experienced with, with that is not so much what, who's caused what, it's more, uh, what is the level of awareness that clients have of the, transpar the transparency mm. that's on offer 
and how does that comply with their with their broader uh, standards as a business or, or their sense of business ethics. Um, we do a lot of work just to let the client know how transparent things are and give them the option of either making mm. it more transparent or keeping it as it is if, if they're happy. Because it's the other T word, which is trust. And trust is a two-way street. I mean, I, I think it's funny when marketers say, oh, the agency's breached my trust. But I also feel that the agency's breached the trust because the client breached the trust as well. I think that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, and I say that as someone, and I should, as a disclaimer here, I've come from 15 years of mm. experience in, in media agencies, right? So um, I have intricate understanding of what goes on in media agencies. Um, the, the, the vast majority of people I've met in media agencies are simply trying to do a good job. And, and yes, of course. of course, there's pressure from holding companies, but, the, but, but there is always pressure from holding companies. What I would say about trust is that, um, yes, of course, it's reciprocal. And mm. the agency who um, gets constantly stung by the client who alters scope without altering contractual terms, the agency who is under 120 days plus payment terms mm. from, a, from a client, um, well, yes, trust is a two-way street and you're going to respond in kind yeah. to a certain extent. There's consequences of behaviour. Yes, of course. And if you do not accept the fact that you changing the way you want to play the game. This is why I always go on about the golden rule. You know, the man with the gold makes the rules. Yes. And so I say the agency ends up playing the game the way the client sets the rules. If the client wants to play the game that they pay less and less for these services, then they have to also accept the consequences of that, which is the agency is not going to value the relationship yes. as much as they would if the client was paying them a fair amount or a reasonable amount or just the same amount that they paid previously. One of the biggest disconnects is, um, again, I'm talking from personal experience of going into clients now with Trinity P3 and, and, and in, other, in other times, other roles, but one of the biggest disconnects is the client who will complain about the agency not giving them an A team. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, they know, how, well, the and they pay for the D team. And they pay for the D team. And with all due respect to the D team, what I mean by D team is not necessarily people who are incompetent. I mean, there yeah, are people who are in, well, they're people less, in the yeah. now. They're yeah. people who are, you know, when we talk about yeah. now, they are people in the now. They are people who are doing the, the, yeah, the dot, the job the dot that's joining, needed the right job now. that's needed yeah. doing. So it's very hard to, um, to feel sympathy or empathy for, for, for a client who's complaining about a, a, a not having an A-team when uh, they have not invested in either in the relationship or in the financial settlement. And certainly when, whenever we work with agencies and clients, whether it's in pitches or anything else, we want the agreement and the terms to be mutually sustainable and beneficial. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, this, this downward pressure is not just on agencies, because we've also seen it, you know, and I'm sure you, you've seen this, um, where clients are putting the agencies under pressure to put the media owners under pressure. You know, um, to get the agency to guarantee a particular media buying position and then wanting to hold them to it and then getting surprised when, you know, some ridiculously low position that was put forward is not deliverable. Well, firstly, how, how measurable is, you know, it, when the position becomes that low, it gets very hard to measure with all the variables um, mm. anyway. But to, to, to get to your point, um, yeah, <laughs> publishers are under huge pressure. They're mm. under huge pressure from everything from the day-to-day -day grind of an agency who, who constantly has to ask them for, in quotes, new ideas mm. um, that, that grinds their time that, and then don't get 
they don't get activated by a client who, who can't really make up his or her mind yeah. or hasn't briefed it properly, right through to the huge pressure on, on inventory caused by programmatic trading and caused by um, an incessant adherence to uh, lowest common denominator. Mm. Um, and if agencies have got them baked into their contracts or have promised them, and there's a, again a two-way street there, mm. um, the publishers, particularly the longer tail of publishers, are the ones who are really going to struggle. Well, it was about three, four years ago, I had a very senior national sales director um, from a media company come to me and he wanted to meet with me because he said, uh, the agencies come to us all the time and say, Trinity P3 has told us that we have to get this rate from you for us to be competitive in this pitch. And I said, I have never, mm. ever heard that and we would never ever do it. I mean, we're, we're not big on buying positions because they're incredibly difficult to enforce. And also, you're treating media as the ultimate commodity that somehow they can pick where the market is and do some a magical deal. I, I can only speak from my own experience, but, but certainly it's not anything I would ever advocate. I mean, at, at the end of the day, a commoditized position is not sustainable for either party. And um, we're talking about a value exchange here. And um, the agency has to gain value just as much as the, as the, uh, as the marketer has to gain value. And um, that value to an agency, and it's worth saying this, that value to an agency is not just monetary value. That value is uh, in having the ability to do great work. Um, that value is, uh, the, the, that drives investment into people, that mm. drives new people to the agency that then produces yeah. more great work um, and, and wins new business. Um, agencies, it's, it's not just about how much you're paid, it's about what you can do with what you're paid and, and, and what that relationship allows you to, to produce. And, you know, like I say, these agencies are not, I've never worked in a media agency that's just out to con people, far from it. They want to do great work. Mm. Um, sometimes, they are not able to do that work and some and, and that is often the fault of the agency and or the fault of the client but ultimately trying to deliver a proper value exchange in in a in a pitch or in a in a contractual or a or a remuneration agreement is um is something that's really important and something that's often overlooked mm. and so yeah commoditized arrangement that, that pushes down on a publisher is not something that we would ever <laughs> recommend that's for sure well and and one of the things that it seems to me is that there's this, you know, media is a significant part of a budget. And if you're only looking at how cheap you can buy media, you're actually looking at how to spend it, not how to invest it, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a massive difference between, you know, I can I can buy a thousand rotten apples or I can buy three apples that are, that are really, uh, really ripe. And um, it's a, again, it's a value exchange. What, how so, do you equate value in that? So this is this is uh, a conversation I had with a procurement person and they said, why do you keep going on that media is not a commodity? Media is the biggest commodity there is. Where do you think this thinking comes from? Have you heard that? I have heard that. Um, I, think, I think the thinking partly comes from Certainly procurement people being in a comfort zone of, of how they buy other things and they, mm. they see unit costs and therefore they think commodity, right? Yeah. So, so the, the, the unit cost of buying a, um, a plastic bottle top for your, for your drinks uh, that you're producing in a factory uh, is the same as the cost of a unit of a, of a TV spot. Um, but of course it's not as simple as that because there is an outcome attached. Mm. Um, 
And there's also a human being and that you're wanting to plan media so that it delivers messages at the right place at the right time when the person's most receptive uh, absolutely. to changing their behaviour to deliver well, a sale. This is what I mean by an outcome, yeah. right? I mean, you know, even leaving aside the, the paying for the right person to do that as a, as a service, um, there is a massive world of difference between buying media to the lowest cost the lowest cost or the lowest common denominator and buying media which we you know which which is genuinely going to be effective mm. um, and which is part of a much larger marketing ecosystem and is properly integrated mm. um, there's a world of difference absolutely hey David this has been great good to catch up in this laneway in Melbourne yep thank uh, you very much I've enjoyed it I've got a, uh, a last uh, last question um, who is, and, and this is quite topical at the moment, who do you think is the best media agency CEO in the marketplace at the moment? <laughs>